Today on the Joseph Carlson Show, we're going to be looking over how much passive income I made in 2020. So we'll be looking at the passive income portfolio. We're also going to look at some things like how many subscribers this channel gained, what the growth is like on all the audio podcast platforms. Also some exciting stuff I'm doing starting this next year. I started a secondary channel with a different format. It's kind of a podcast style laid back version and it has video. So if you want to see what my face looks like, you can check out this channel there, but I'll be explaining more of that. We also have some big news to get to. Disney Plus hit 86.8 million subscribers. It's closing in on 90 million by the end of this year. I think they'll beat it. The stock is up 14% just on Friday's news alone of all the new series they're releasing. They announced a bunch of releases of Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, and so on and so forth. They're putting so much more content on this platform. We also have Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney, that thinks that it can hit 260 million subscribers by 2024. So we'll be looking at this and answering the question, is Disney still a buy right now? Did you miss the window with it? In other news on the streaming wars, we have Warner Media, which they made their announcement that they're releasing all of their movies on HBO Max and in theaters at the same time. So direct to streaming right when they're released. Well, this had an unintended consequence of making the talent industry furious. None other than Christopher Nolan ripped into Warner Media, calling HBO Max the worst streaming service. He's very upset that they made the decision to release it direct to streaming. I'm obviously very happy about this decision. I think they made the right move. So in this episode, I'm going to explain why, unfortunately, Christopher Nolan is in the wrong. And I have a difficult time saying that because he's such a good director. He makes incredible films. But I think in this situation, he has it a little bit off. So I'm going to share my thoughts on that. And we also have some other news that according to Yahoo Finance, Nikola was voted the worst company of the year. That's it. They were voted the worst company of the year. I don't really have any commentary on this or anything to say about it. I just wanted to say that Nikola is officially the worst company of 2020. So we have all that to get to, lots of exciting things. We have questions and emails to get to at the end of the episode as well. So I think it'll be a fun one. Okay, so first of all, let's start off with the passive income account. I'll tell you how much money I earned in dividends over 2020, how this portfolio performed against the S&P 500, and some fun things like how many subscribers the YouTube channel gained over the past year, and some plans I have for the future. So let's first go over that. Now, in terms of the passive income account, it's now at a value of $164,000. The gains are $26,600. This changes all the time, but that's where it's at right now. If I filter by the one year, in the past year, I've earned $3,300 in dividends. That's pretty good to earn $3,300 in passive income in one year. I'm very happy about that. That is a lot of growth. That means that since the beginning of my portfolio three years ago, the majority of dividends have been earned in just the past year. So the dividend growth rate is accelerating, and I believe that will continue in the future. I think next year, this number is going to be going up drastically. Now, if we look at performance and we compare it to the S&P 500, it's difficult to do. I can go back one year and I can say I've gained $18,000. That's a money-weighted return of 18.53%. If I compare that to the S&P 500, the S&P 500 has only returned 12.75%. So just by that raw comparison, I'm beating the S&P 500. But this isn't exactly accurate because a lot of my purchases were made before the drop, and then a lot of them were made in the drop. And I was buying stocks all throughout this. So that changes the performance. And I don't know what I would have performed 
if I had made those purchases on the same days at the same amounts. It's very difficult to calculate. But on a rough estimate, I am doing really well this year. With an 18% money-weighted return, I'm very happy with that. It's $15,000 made in capital gains and $3,000 in dividends. And a lot of these gains have been made with some of my key holdings. With Apple alone, I've made $6,300. So that's been a very good holding. Deciding to sell out of my bonds and buy Apple has been one of the best decisions I made this year. Disney's another stock that's done really well for me this year. I'm up $3,400 on it. It's recently had a big spike, and we'll be talking about some of the reasons that caused that. Wynn Resorts is another one, $1,300 on that. I bought into that one just a couple weeks ago. We have Costco. I'm up $1,200 on this. It never seems to do poorly. Costco's a fantastic company, one of the best in the world. And I recently got my Costco special dividend, which is $167 for me. So that pays for my Costco membership. I'm pretty happy about that. In real estate, one of my biggest winners has been Store Capital. I purchased heavily into this company about halfway through its recovery, and I'm up $3,200 on it. So that's been another one that I think performed really well, and I think it will continue to in the future. And then JP Morgan's another company that had some okay returns this year. It's up $1,500 in my account. I recently put a lot of money into the stock and built it up to a $20,000 position. So we don't know how this one's going to do in the future, but I'll show you either way how it plays out. So I'm very happy with a lot of my top holdings. They've been performing well, and I continue to hold them in this portfolio. Now, I also want to give a year-end update on my YouTube channel. First of all, we reached 136,000 subscribers. So in 2020, we passed the 100,000 mark. We got the YouTube silver play button. I got my account verified. So you know which account is really me. And we've also uploaded, with this upload, 130 episodes of The Joseph Carlson Show. So there's a lot of content, a lot of new subscribers. I've been organizing different playlists based off of companies. So if you want to, you can go to my YouTube homepage and see ones that are based off of Disney, JP Morgan, Store Capital. There's also popular uploads, lots of fun stuff like that. Now, the growth of the channel has been pretty remarkable. In the past year... In 2020, we've gained 68,500 subscribers. That is up 1% from the year prior, meaning that in the past year, we doubled the amount of subscribers. We went from 68,000 to 135,000. That's just remarkable. So I appreciate everybody that hits the subscribe button. I appreciate all of you for joining on. It makes this a very fun experience. To the 68,500 of you that are new, welcome to the channel. And I think that we have a lot of exciting stuff coming next year. One of the exciting pieces of news I have for next year is that I have started an additional YouTube channel. The Joseph Carlson Show, which is this channel, is not going to change. So you don't have to worry about the format of this one changing or the upload schedule. I plan on doing this one like normal, but I have launched an additional channel called Joseph Carlson After Hours. This is going to be a little bit more laid back. It's more like a podcast style where I broadcast right from my my home office gym. This is in my basement. It's a fun place for me to record videos. And this is where it's all done. I have the first episode already uploaded. And unlike the normal episodes, this features me in video. So if you want to see me actually talk to you, you can check out these episodes. The content on the After Hours channel is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be more Discord question and answer series, my thoughts on different subjects and current news, reaction videos, interviews with different people. I'm also going to be doing things like home tours and advice on stuff that's not really investment related. So I'll be giving advice on career advice, school advice, you know, how to get jobs and interviews, all that good stuff. So if you're interested in this type of content, make sure to subscribe to the channel. I'm going to leave a link to it in the description of this video. 
So that's a basic wrap up of 2020. We have a lot of exciting things going on. The secondary channel will offer another way for me to talk to you guys, another way to communicate. The main channel is still growing like crazy. It doubled in size in one year, which I think is remarkable. And then we have the main portfolio that's also been growing like crazy, generating a lot of passive income. And I expect this to continue into the future. In 2021, I really expect the dividend income to pick up heavily with this portfolio. I want to grow it to well over $200,000. So it should be an exciting year. I appreciate all of you guys for joining along. Okay, now moving on to some news. We have to talk about Disney. This stock over the past month has been like a rocket going to the moon, taking all of its shareholders with it. It has gone up like crazy. In just the past day, it was up 13.59%. So it almost went up 14% in one day. And then in the past month, it's up 46%. So this stock is at all-time highs. Disney's in a fantastic position, and that's off the back of their new streaming news. They recently announced that they now have 86.8 million subscribers, so they're closing in on that 100 million subscriber gap pretty quickly. I think they'll be well into the 90 millions by the end of this year, and that's pretty remarkable. To have the streaming service get into the 90 plus millions by the end of 2020 is incredible. Now, even more incredible is the amount of content that they announced they're putting on their new streaming service. This is what caused that 14% jump in one day. Disney Plus will add 50 new Marvel, Star Wars, Disney, and Pixar series and movies over the next few years. 50 plus over the next three years. Now, let me just tell you, I realize that Disney announcing 50 new series on paper might not be that impressive. Netflix puts like 50 new series on their streaming service every single day. So that's not really impressive by Disney in and of itself until you see the quality of these different series. They look box office movie quality, every single one of them. Here's a look at the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What's our plan? Okay, you get the point. These aren't your typical Netflix reality series. These are the box office hit Marvel series, but they're TV exclusives for Disney+. Here's WandaVision. This is another TV series. This isn't a movie. Who are you? I don't know. I think something's wrong here. Wanda, in your room, who's doing this to you? Are you here to help? All of these to me look movie quality. They look like they could be theatrical, big box office hits, but they're now Disney Plus exclusives. Maybe the most interesting one to me is the new series based on Loki. No, I'm taking you someplace to talk. Where I lie, I don't like to talk. But you do like to lie, which you just did. Because we both know you love to talk. How long have you been here? I don't know, it's hard to say. You know, time passes differently here in the TVA. What does that mean? You'll catch up. They have Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson there. I'm already intrigued by this series. I already want to watch it. And everybody's saying that they're going to cancel their streaming service after Mandalorian. I think they're going to sign right back up when these series hit Disney+. There's not many things that can make a stock chart look like this, but the release of that type of content exclusive to a streaming service is one of them. Disney for the past five years has barely moved as a stock except for the past month. 
In the past month, it's up 49%. And I think this is deserved. I've been saying for months that investors will soon realize the value of their streaming service. And they're starting to realize that. Bob Iger emphasized the quality that they're focusing on. Quote, quality, not volume. Mr. Iger also stressed that Disney's content will be reflective of the broad and diverse audience the company seeks to reach. Disney doesn't exclude anyone. Their content appeals to old people, to young people, to children. You can have your kids come and watch it without worrying about them dropping F-bombs and crude language. I can't do the same with Netflix. I have to be very careful about what Netflix shows I watch with my kids. But when I have Disney Plus on, I don't have to concern myself about that. Bob Chapek, the current CEO of Disney, says that he believes they can reach 260 million subscribers by 2024. And I believe him. I think that they will. The original goal they had was 90 million by 2024, and they surpassed that in the first year. So I think they'll hit this new goal. And I think that Disney will eventually dethrone Netflix as the top streaming company in the world. Now, those trailers we looked at were just Marvel series. Those are three of the Marvel series they announced. They also announced 10 new Star Wars series. 10 exclusives going on Disney Plus on top of different Pixar movies and Disney originals. They're going to have a lot of good content over the next three years. So I still remain incredibly bullish on Disney as a stock and a company over the next five years. It's currently up 18.57% year to date. And the investors focusing on their theme parks being shut down or the resorts, I think is very short-sighted. Those will eventually open back up. We have vaccines being distributed. That's going to be a temporary problem that will be solved. And in the meantime, they have a streaming service that is going nuts. It's gaining millions of subscribers, and they have content that people are willing to pay for. I'm bullish enough that even though I had about $10,000 of Disney stock already, I purchased an additional $2,000 on the 11th at a price of $166. So I still see value in this company in the future. I think that we'll see this play out over the next five years. But if Disney continues to grow their streaming service at this pace, they'll be one of the best companies to own in the future. Investors will pay a premium for them. And I still expect them to reinstate their dividends once their parks open back up and once their operating income returns. So this is a stock I see as a recovery play and a continued growth play. The big deals on Disney are gone. The $90 buys and $100 buys, those are a thing of the past but I still think there's value in this stock. Now, unlike Disney with Disney+, AT&T seems to step into trouble no matter what they do. The latest news is that the entire talent industry, all of Hollywood, is very upset with Warner Media for allowing people to enjoy their films in the comfort of their own homes. That's what we're dealing with. Hollywood is very upset that Warner Media is allowing you to watch their movies in the comfort of your own home. The instant response in Hollywood was outrage and a massive girding for battle. Warner's has made a grave mistake, says one top talent agent. Never have this many people been this upset with one entity. Like others, he had spent much of the day dealing with calls from stunned and angry clients. That's the talent industry. They were stunned and angered when they heard their movies are going to be on HBO Max. And that swishing sound you hear? It's the lawyers stropping their blades as they prepare for battle. So the lawyers are going to be suing Warner Media for giving you options, for giving people like you and me, us common folks, us peasants, the ability to watch their movies either in theaters or in our home. We just want to have the choice to be able to do either or, and Hollywood is furious at that. The person that seems to be the most furious is Christopher Nolan. And it pains me to see this because Christopher Nolan is one of the best movie makers in the world. He says, quote, some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. So he calls HBO Max the worst streaming service. 
Shots fired already there. And then he adds in, Warner Brothers had an incredible machine for getting a filmmaker's work out everywhere, both in theaters and in the home. And they are dismantling it as we speak. They don't even understand what they're losing. I have to say, as much as I respect Christopher Nolan, as much as I enjoy his movies, I think he's totally wrong here. I think he's completely wrong. People should have the choice of how they want to enjoy their movies. If they want to watch them at home on their home theater system, they should be able to do that. If they want to watch them in the movie theater and get the same experience that Christopher Nolan wants them to have, they should have that option. But restricting them to one choice, restricting consumers, and trying to rely on an outdated, antiquated business model is never the solution. On top of that, we are facing a pandemic. Not a lot of people want to cram into a movie theater when there's a virus spreading around. So I don't think it's a good idea at all to have people restricted to going into theaters. I think that Warner Media is making the right decision by releasing these on their streaming service as well. Another thing that Christopher Nolan's big on is the movie theater experience. He wants people to watch the movies with the big screen. That's a big deal to him. But a lot of people are building pretty good home theater systems. That's becoming cheaper and cheaper to do every single year. A lot of people have really great surround sound systems with huge subwoofers and big HD TV screens. All of that stuff is getting cheaper and cheaper every year. So people can enjoy these movies in great quality and HD right from their home. The experience might not be identical, but it's difficult to argue why they have to be in a theater. So even with Hollywood being very upset and all this blowback and Christopher Nolan insulting HBO Max, calling it the worst streaming service, I still think that Warner Media made the right move. I think that the executives at Warner Media made the right move. They were forward thinking. They gave consumers options. And I think this will do well for the company over time. And in terms of Hollywood and the actors and talent agencies and producers being furious about this and being upset, who cares? Who cares if they're upset? Are we supposed to really be concerned that a bunch of super rich Hollywood people are upset that they can't restrict consumer behavior? Is that supposed to be something we're worried about? I don't think so. I'm not worried about it at all. They can be upset about it. They don't even watch the movies in theaters. They get pre-screenings to it. All of these Hollywood actresses and producers can watch these movies in the comfort of their own living room, and they're just allowing us to do the same now. That's all they're doing, is they're allowing us to do the same thing that many of the people in Hollywood have been enjoying for years. So I'm not really concerned at all if Hollywood is really upset about this, and if they're having a really big tizzy fit about this, I don't really care, and I don't think that Jason Keelar or the other executives at Warner Media should care either. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to comments and questions. John says, Hi, Joseph. I invest all of my money into Moderna, almost $100,000, and if I sell now, I'll lose over 15000 Should I wait or dump it? Thanks. This is a tough one, John. I do not like having my entire portfolio into one holding. I don't think I'd ever do that. So I really don't like the situation you're in. I've not done any type of research on Moderna, so I don't have an investment thesis on it. If you have a reason to believe that you made a solid investment, that there's a story playing out and you just have to wait it out and you know that there's something that other investors are missing right now, that's fine. You could keep the money in it and wait for that to play out. There's stocks that I think uh, that I've been in that type of situation where I'm holding them knowing that there's kind of a story that's going to play out and eventually it does, if that's the case with your holding with Moderna, I would say hang on to it until you see that story play out. But if you're just holding it, hoping for the best, but not knowing what's going to happen, I would divest from this company really fast. I would take out at a minimum 80% of your money. I take out $80,000. Uh, even if you lose some money in the process, I would take that money out and I would diversify your portfolio. You have highly concentrated risk putting your entire portfolio into one holding. Anything could happen. It could drop 20, 30, 40% if it has some negative news. 
That is an incredible amount of risk. So I would not put this much money into one holding unless you had an incredibly strong conviction that this this big story is going to play out over the next year. You have all these reasons and research and things you've done. So barring that type of heavy research and heavy conviction with the company, I would divest from it very quickly and I'd move that money into a diversified portfolio and you'll make back that $15,000 quickly. Wolf says, Joseph, quick question. I'm only 20 years old with very low income, $10,000 a year if I'm lucky. At the current moment, do you recommend I invest my money slowly into dividend paying stocks or keep my focus on saving in a Roth or maybe mess around with stocks I find interesting in the stock market? Wolf, in that situation with a $10,000 a year income, if you're lucky, I would just focus on stocks you want to have fun with. Pick some ones that you think are interesting that you think you're going to have some big gains with and I would put the money in that. With $10,000 a year, most of that's going to go to your cost of living. You have very little discretionary income. You're not really going to be able to build up a passive stream of income with dividend stocks. It takes a little bit more funding than that. So in the meantime, I would probably just do something that's more fun, different stocks you're doing research on, whatever you find interesting, and focus on building up your income. Focus on your education, improving your market value, improving your income. Once you're working with more money, Once you're working with substantial amounts of money and you're making thousands of dollars a month and you have more discretionary income and you're more concerned about risk and reward and capital preservation, then I think you should focus more on the dividend paying stocks and the blue chip companies. But right now, I wouldn't be too concerned with that. I'd be focused solely on building up my income. And with the discretionary money I do have, I try to have the most fun with it. Ernie says, Joseph, great job as always. Any update on your Costco position? I know you mentioned you were considering selling it. I was looking at it at one point because Warren Buffett sold out of it. It was at a very high P.E. ratio, so most likely on paper, it's considered overvalued. But I have not sold Costco, and I don't plan to. Every time I visit my local Costco, it's busier than the last time. It's busier than the previous year. It's completely packed. Costco just gets more and more customers every single year, more locations. They have a really strong moat, and I think that they have a phenomenal business. So I plan on holding Costco long term. I'm going to kind of ignore the valuation of it and just hold the position right now. If the valuation comes a little bit lower, then I'll just increase my position. Lewis says, I will watch Dune in theaters. I'll buy a spacesuit if I have to. Uh, Yeah, you might have to buy a spacesuit if we're still in the pandemic and the theater's packed. But I think that in reality, this is what Hollywood's missing. A lot of people are still going to watch these movies in theaters to get the full experience. They want to have the theater experience. With some of these bigger movies, like the Godzillas, the Dunes, you know, the Matrix, uh, Wonder Woman... Some people will go to theaters to get that huge experience. And the people that want to watch it at home or the people that have a really nice home theater system, they can enjoy it at home. This is a win-win. The only people that I see that are really upset with this is Hollywood because their industry is being slightly disrupted. Everybody else has to deal with disruption. A lot of us have had our lives turned upside down with the pandemic, and now we're asking Hollywood to deal with a little bit of it, and they don't want to. So uh, I think it's great that some people want to watch these movies in theaters, I think that some people want to watch them at home. It's an absolute win-win. I hope that Warner Media doesn't back down from this. I hope they continue to go forward with it. Okay, on that note, I'm going to end this episode there. Make sure to check out the secondary channel. Like I said, it's called Joseph Carlson After Hours. There's a link in the description. It's going to be a lot more content for you. So go and subscribe right now if you're interested. Otherwise, I will see you next time.